Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, here we are once again, Fight Night, your home for boxing on Talk Sport. Lots to get through throughout the course uh, of the show. We're going to be speaking to Paul Butler. Terry Flanagan's going to be on the show as well. Lots of topics to cover, including the return of the king, Tyson Fury. You're going to hear from him uh, over the next couple of hours. Uh, joining me in the studio, as ever, is the uh, Kung Fu Panda himself, <laughs> the warlock <laughs> that is Gareth A. Davis, fresh uh, from uh, City Ringside against, uh, well, against, uh, watching James Gale last I week. I felt like I was against, mm. it was that grueling. Yeah. Um, well, you're back, back from America, mate, good to have you back on the show. Thank you. And we are joined tonight. We're, the the, uh, the uh, boxing IQ level in this studio has gone up uh, tenfold, <laughs> let me say, right? Because me and you just normally sit here... Chatting absolute nonsense. Let's be honest. That's what we normally do. Uh, but we've uh, raised the uh, level of IQ today. So if you are, uh, I don't know, if you're on your way home from the uh, Manchester City Tottenham game, if you're on your way home from, uh, or on your way out maybe for a night out, let me tell you, the knowledge on the show tonight is ridiculous uh, because Spencer Oliver is joining us in the studio. How are you, sir? I'm really well. I think you built me up a little bit too much there, if I'm honest. I think you're both being a little bit hard on yourselves there. No, mate, we overreg the pudding every right, single week, mate. Let me add to it. I'm good. I thought it was special for me. <laughs> well, let me add to it then. We've got, we've got boxing's version of Norman Wisdom in here with <laughs> I us tonight. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> You've gone in early. You've gone in <laughs> early. You know no, but he had one, a show a while back when Spence was on. He actually had me going. I'd, I'd, I'd insulted him because he was actually related to Norman Wisdom. He was his great <laughs> nephew. And you could have been. I, I, I actually, I give him that. And he, and he um, yeah, he, he nearly believed me, but he he rinsed me through through the whole show. And I thought on my way in, I thought there's no way he's going to mention that again. And he's done Straight it. In. Round one, seconds, round one. He's, he's done it. He's gone in. Throwing the big left hook early doors. That's what we like to see. Um, it is entertainment first on this show, as you're already hearing on this. Uh, there will be a little bit of boxing knowledge dropped in over the next couple of hours as well. So do stick with us if you want to get involved with the show. You're more than welcome to do so because this is your show as much as it is ours. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four is the telephone number if you're on text 81089 that's a short text number and if you want to tweet just tweet me directly it'll come straight through to the big screen so everybody can see it at adam catterall so if there's any topic that we're talking about tonight that you want to get involved with you're more than welcome to do so here are your big three headlines of the boxing week Something tells me he's going to dominate quite a lot of the rhetoric on the show tonight. The King is back. The man that says he's the man that beat the man. Tyson Fury has announced his comeback finally June the 9th. Manchester is the date. Set it in your diary. We're going to be speaking to and hearing from him uh, over the next couple of hours of the show. Sticking with the heavyweights, 
Negotiations for AJ versus Wilder have allegedly begun. Uh, Gareth's got a little bit of insight on that. He's going to give us a little bit of that insight in a minute. And then we're all going to chuck our two peas in there and tell us whether we think <laughs> it's going to happen or not uh, in the next 12 months or so. Finally, just away from the professional game, I think it's only fair that we celebrate uh, the amateurs that have done extremely well at the Commonwealth Games. Today you will have seen that we've picked up six gold medals, we've also got a silver, and yesterday we picked up a couple of bronzes as well. We are booming in this country, something that a little bit of lottery funding, it goes a long way, let me tell you. If you invest in grassroots, then it reaps the benefits. Well done to everybody involved with that, especially all the people that volunteer their times in the uh, ABAs and the ABCs up and down the country. Um giving up their Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, all that type of stuff to uh, hopefully help the next generation of young fighters and all the boys and girls doing extremely well out in Australia, picking up six gold medals. Congratulations to everybody involved. Just on that, just on that uh, Commonwealth success, I'm coming straight to you, Mr. Oliver, because you've got one of those silver medals from 1994, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry to date you, mate, mate taking, you all the, <laughs> taking you all the way back to 94 in Canada, uh, but representing your com- country back then, what an unbelievable achievement. It, must, it still must put hers on the back of your neck when you see those guys competing like you've seen earlier on today. 100%. I mean, listen, 20 years ago, I can't believe it was 20 years ago, 20, 20 plus years, 24 years ago. Yeah. Um, amazing. It does seem like yesterday. And I think that the, the, the GB team really have moved on phenomenally um, from them days. I think the lottery funding, as you already mentioned, has, has helped massively. I think when, when I boxed out there, I picked up a silver medal and Peter Richardson won a gold. That was the only two medals that we got that year. And um, and it's just moved on. You know, every year they, they're progressing all the time. And um, yeah, the guys are doing amazing at the moment, aren't they? Well, absolutely, and and both of you have visited um, the facilities that we've got in Sheffield. We are the envy of the world, aren't we? We really are. I mean, years and years ago, it used to be obviously America, then you've got African nations doing extremely well in these Commonwealth Games. We are dominating because we've invested, we've done it, we've done it right from the successes of De Gale and Akam and obviously 2012 with Anthony and Nicola and all those that did extremely well back then. We're reaping the benefits now, aren't we? No, it's amazing. The crossover from when Terry Edwards was in charge to, to Rob McCracken, who's obviously um, uh, Anthony Joshua and was Carl Froch's trainer as well as extraordinary Adam. Um, what, 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 we've, what we've got is a facility in Sheffield that's had tens of millions of pounds pumped mm. into it. Mm. We're, we're even the envy of the Cubans now and the Eastern European countries who obviously in the Olympic cycle uh, are very dominant in the world uh, cycle, are very dominant in the amateurs as well. You know, when you go up there and you see the facilities, like a, there's a small ring about the size of this studio that's encased in glass, which is an altitude mm. training ring. Mm. I mean, it's extraordinary. It's, you can see why people like Anthony Joshua don't want to leave the Olympic fold because when they go up there it's better than any professional camp they can create yeah know? I think I think the fascinating thing as well is like you got going back to when I was boxing for England um, the amateurs and professionals weren't allowed to mix together I think that's made a massive difference as well having someone like Anthony Joshua in the gym and Nicola Adams in the gym and these Olympic gold medalists James DeGaulle as well you know the kids watch them they, they, and they want to be them and, and I think that success breeds success and, and, and I think it's a really good thing Mm. The, the, the other thing, of course, Fraser Clark getting the gold medal in the super heavyweights yeah, today, was, I think, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, he sparred 50 rounds for Joshua, with mm. Joshua while Joshua was preparing for uh, Joseph Parker. So that creates a great position for him yeah, yeah. to train against or spar against a guy who is a world champion at the moment. Yeah, so it I mean, works both ways, doesn't it? You think you're sparring the world heavyweight champion. You're <laughs> holding your own yeah, with the world yeah. heavyweight champion. And a guy that is really dominant at the moment, Andy mm. Joshua, is like sort of... Um, 
taking over, isn't he? And, and so you think you're sparring this type of guy and then you're boxing in the Commonwealth Games. You're going to go in there oozing with confidence. And I think that showed in Fraser Clark's performance. I think he had a tough final, a close final contest, yeah. but he pulled it out of the bag. You know, he dug deep and um, and finished off the Commonwealth Games with another gold medal. And yeah, the guy's done great out there and the girls as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fraser Clark, Pat McCormack, Pete McGrail, uh, Sandy Ryan, Gal- uh, Galal, we know that name extremely well mm-hmm. because of his uh, brother's success in the professional game How as well. How amazing though that, that, yeah. that, that his brother's a world champion mm. professional at the moment mm. and he's a world, cha- uh, he's a, c- a Commonwealth champion. Gold medal, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and they're, they're, t- they're terrific as well, uh, as well because they're from a part of the country where we haven't got a great amount of success coming out at the mm. moment from the Midlands and those two <clears throat> excuse me and those two I think I think Galal will go on and be a world champion yeah. as well he's, I think he's better than Yafai in many ways so. uh, and we've also got a other brother as well Gamal Yafai yeah um, who's doing really well as well. He's just lost just recently, but I think it's a learning curve for him that, and I think he'll come back um, bigger and stronger and come out. So yeah, the family, whole family doing amazing. And well done Lisa Whiteside as well. She picked up the uh, sixth uh, gold medal. Fantastic stuff there. Uh, now I mentioned in the headlines there that obviously we've had the return of the King this week with uh, Tyson Fury. You've been catching up with him, uh, Gareth, this week. We're going to be hearing from him very, very shortly. And obviously your thoughts on that comeback. And I've no doubt you're going to throw uh, some spanners into the works by making comparisons to Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder and the like. No bother. Uh, And we'll also be speaking about hopefully the potential of seeing Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder sometime soon this year. Stick around because coming up next, uh, we are going to be speaking to Terry Flanagan. He's on that Tyson Fury card in Manchester uh, and hopefully uh, going to become a two-weight world champion. He's coming up next. I've never really been in the media anyway where... People know me. I'm the walk at the sheet. I'm Terry Flanagan, world champ. Never been one of them all over social media. So yeah, it's never really done anything for me. So yeah, I just do what I do. Oh, what a shot! The uppercut was a peach. Oh, what a shot that was! I don't think Magdaleno's got much left now. I think he wants out. Referee helps him, sends him on his way, and Flanagan gets the stoppage. Oh, what a shot! He's gone down, he lost his feet again, but it was a right hand. He's going to go again, I think. He's going to go again. The referee's looking at him. Down he goes. A brutal victory. He has gone in there and just destroyed a world-class fighter. This was a fight which the bookies could barely split. People are watching on almost with disbelief. He has gone in there and absolutely annihilated a top fighter. Uh, Terry Fulligan hopes to become a two-weight world champion against Mo Hooker. That's happening on June the 9th, same card that you're going to be seeing the return of Tyson Fury. We'll talk Tyson Fury in a minute, but I think it's only fair that we get Terry Fulligan on the show. Terry, welcome, mate. How are you, pal? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Listen, before we talk boxing, City flying. It's nearly enough done, isn't it? It's nearly enough done, lad. I know. I've just been watching it. And my missus, uh, she had four one Jesus as well, and still we missing chances at the end. She was there. Mate, one about trying to put it in. Don't talk to me about Sterling, mate. The amount of bets I've had on this season, pal, and he's blown it for me. I'm not oh, having no. any of it, lad. I know we had about four chances to, to put it away, and he didn't, but. Never mind. Ga- still, uh, what, what, Gareth, why are you turning your nose up at me talking back. football with Terry Flanagan? What's up with you? Listen, what, I've what, talk- what's the matter with you? Uh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm He's a Man City fan. I'm talking no, Man City with him. No, He's no, all right. No, listen, I've talked Man City with Terry before about the days when he used to jump on trains and sneak through people's feet and through their legs and into the turnstile and over the thing. And, you know, this is the kind of guy who would not 
not be at all the Man City games. He didn't mm. have a penny in his pocket, and he's told me these stories. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't say it in a bad way about Terry. I know he absolutely adores the blues, the light blues. Well, well and Adam, whilst you was watching that football game, I was sitting there watching it with you as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually a Tottenham fan. <laughs> that's why I bring you it know, up. That's why. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything, but I thought I might as well. <laughs> Terry, listen, let's talk boxing, mate, because obviously you're back on uh, June the 9th. This is uh, kind of a reschedule because we expected you to be out tonight, uh, April 14th. You're on the Billy Joe Saunders and uh, Martin Murray card, which obviously ended up getting pulled. So therefore, there's been a bit of a delay with this, but it's good now. It's all uh, set in stone. Uh, June the 9th in your hometown, pal. The bid to become a two-weight world champion. You must be absolutely delighted. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted. I mean, it's a, it's a big card. A card I'm, I'm bu- absolutely buzzing to be on in my hometown as well. So, yeah, it's great. But, uh, yeah, also frustrating that I didn't get out on tonight because mm. I, was, I, was I was ready to go. I was flying in the gym. Regard- but, uh, Regarding the card itself, it obviously being a part of being with, with what Tyson's doing, um, this is a real opportunity for you because there's going to be a massive spotlight on that. And you're one of those champions that have... Don't take this as disrespect, but you've gone under the radar a little bit, and maybe that's because, as you've just been saying in the preamble there regarding you're not wanting to get involved with social media and stuff like that. You just get in the ring, you do your business, and you clear off. This is a great opportunity for you to announce your name to the British public, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I like it like I did against Magdaleno, and uh, everyone was saying I wanted a two-world champion after winning the world title against Cepeda because of the way the fight ended. But, yeah, I'm going to be going out I'm looking to make a statement and showing people that I'm, I'm, I'm the big deal at uh, 10 Stone. I think what, what we do need to... Um, Spencer and I were kind of... we were. When, I wasn't kind of disparaging what you're saying about the football. Spencer and I were nodding about how talented Terry is, mm. Adam. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the things that... We were saying this off-air. The thing is about you, Terry, you refuse to budge from the person you are and you're a slow burner and you're a late maturer, I think. And, I, th- you know, you and I have sat together having coffee several times and I've always yeah. said to you, can you kind of go hard more and promote more and you said no I'm not going to change but the one thing I will say about you you've got such ability mm. as the years go on the fights mm. are going to come and I think this is a really mm. good opponent for you in Maurice Hooker um, who looks actually like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <clears throat> but you need to do a good number on him he's, he's got an unbeaten record he's a dangerous opponent I think yeah I also think that Maurice Hooker's style is, is perfect for Terry Flanagan he carries his left hand very low and I think he's someone that Terry I think that's someone that you could look really good against and he's, he's an un, unbeaten opponent a guy that likes to talk a lot as well um, and I think yeah I think it's a chance for you in, on this big spotlight to really shine yeah I agree mate I mean I know it's it's a big fight and we've been moving up in weight, but I think being up at 10 stone that suit me more, I mean, I've got a lot more energy in the gym. I've been able to train a lot better. And I think the last, them last few weeks when I was making lightweight, it was more about making weight rather than mm. concentrating on the fight and working on stuff for the fight. How and difficult uh, was that for you to make 9 stone 9? Because you, you, you was massive for that. It was hard, don't get me wrong, but I also done everything right. I done it correct, I mean. I didn't make it the week before. I made it eight week out. I was constantly bringing my weight down gradually, so I was never really crashing the weight. Mm. So it was hard, but yeah, it was always good. Rehydrated, fresh at the weight, but I think that last few weeks, actually, in the gym, 
took it, took it out of me a bit. But m- moving to 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 light welterweight, does that mean you'll never go? Back? I mean, it's, I, I agree. I mean, you know, having been with you physically, um, you are an extremely large man. I mean, you, how you boil down to nine nine, nine six? I don't know. Anyway, nine six nine nine. Um, anyway, I mean, ten stone is still, uh, you know, uh, must be a bit of work. But what I wondered for you is. Is this the division you're going to settle in now, Terry? Because there was talk about a Lomachenko fight in the past um, down at lightweight. Um, it's a fight you really wanted. It's a fight that could have been a great test. You're a much, much bigger man than him. Um, you know, Mikey Garcia's floating around. There's some brilliant opponents for your style. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that was the thing, really. I mean, them opportunities at nine stone, they also see them opportunities up at ten stone. I mean, I like to... When I was Garcia, they'll all move up either way. So I thought, get get up, get in there, get a title first, and then I'll be in a better position to make them fights up at ten stone. And I think all of them fights suit me more at ten stone. I mean, Garcia is not not looking like he's hitting his eyes at ten stone. He's not in stop, stopping him like he was down at lightweight. So mm. yeah, I think if that fight does come around, it'll suit me more at ten stone than it would at nine nine. Top man. Listen, all the best with the uh, camp, my friend, and we're looking forward to seeing you do your thing on uh, on June the 9th. Good luck. Take care. Cheers, Terry. Top man. Uh, Terry Flanagan. He I really kinda... is a top man, actually. Mm. Uh, I, I... He's one of the undersung, unsung mm. heroes of British boxing for me, in I... a big way. Absolutely, and I kind of agree. If he does beat Morris Hooker and become a two-weight world champion, obviously we know that uh, Mikey Garcia is currently an IBF champion at 140, don't we? So you know what I mean? There's a, there's a real possibility of a unification there well, for him. I mean, Mikey Garcia, I've got to say, Mikey Garcia is a handful for anyone. Of course. And I, I think, think he's a pound for pound. Mikey Garcia, oh, I really do. I think if he, if if Mikey Garcia, um, I think Lomachenko will. I think Vasil Lomachenko will beat Jorge Linares. I think Vasil Lomachenko at some point. But is that's at a weight try. below. Just for people it listening, is, that's at one thirty-five. Yeah, it is at lightweight. Um, but Mikey Garcia was a lightweight king. Has yeah. moved up to. I mean, it, well, to, I'm hearing that he's floating between the weights. He's going to yeah, do both. Well, listen, yeah. he, he could even go up to to one four seven. Do you think? I think definitely. <sighs> um, my, for me, Marky, Mikey Garcia has the potential if he can win four or five really big fights. I think we could be arguing whether he's the number one pound for pound mm. in the world. I agree. I, I, know, I thought that for a couple of years. If yeah. I'm honest, I think yeah. Garcia brings everything to the table. He's got a great defence, good head movement, fast hands, wax with either hand. Great yeah. haircut. He's got a great haircut. He's got well. a great haircut. He's got a beautiful <laughs> haircut. He's got a beautiful. He, I tell you what, he's got one of those necks and and heads that's so powerful. It, it, it's strange physically when men have that, they they are able to move up the weight divisions um, mm. because because their 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 punch retention. Is is brilliant. They're, they're, You've they're, got one of them. Next. Ability to absorb. No, mine's just fat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about his haircut. But the thing is about Garcia, you sit with him as well. He's one of the most composed men you'll ever meet. He's mm. got incredible. He's got an incredible aura and incredible presence about him. Yeah. And and of course a familial line of three or four generations of boxers and trainers. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I will. Let you carry on. I'm, I'm just. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I was, wha- was going to say. I, I love the guy. I really do. Well, I, I, want, I want to get you on to Tyson Thick Fury because on, on June the 9th, obviously, Terry's going to be doing his thing against uh, Maurice Hooker on June the 9th. Uh, and a part of that show is obviously the return of Tyson Fury. I'm going to have a little talk with Jesus when I get home tonight. I've just got to say big shout out, Bronze Bomber, Deontay Wilder. You made me do this. He told me I couldn't do it. He told me I couldn't come back. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to prove him wrong and go out and knock him out too. So he made me do it, and I'm hunting him down slowly, like a predator in the long grass. 
It's looking good looking. I've had a sunbed this morning. Shave yesterday and a haircut. Feeling good, feeling sharp, feeling ready. Ready to attack the heavyweight division. You know, it's going to be a great challenge to become a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. So usually they lose fights and then come back, but this is a special edition. He's looking to finish it right here and now, Fury. I'm going to take me time, nice and steady. I'm dancing to nobody else's music, only my own. I'm not after them. Um, I'm the lineal heavyweight champion, dating back to John L. Sullivan. So it goes back many, many years. The oldest type of belt you can ever have, and the best. So they're after me, as you can tell. All they ever talk about is me. Trust me, me and him will get down and dirty real soon. And it's just fight and talk. I, I managed to contact him. He's managed to contact me. And everything that you probably see on social is the same thing that happens behind the scenes. And um, he's not like the champions we know of, like the Mike Tyson. Boom, boom, boom. Head movement. He's a different, he's a different animal. been boring the last 30 months. There's been a lot of suits worn and handshakes made. There's been no Batman press conferences. There's been no action. There's been no talking and there's been no fun and games. The flair has been missing from the heavyweight division. But this light here is going to shine brightly once again. There you go, the king. The talk has been going on for some time. I'm no doubt that the talk will continue. It'll be ramped up even further now, but we've got a date at least. Uh, June the 9th. You've been in his presence this week, haven't you, Tyson Fury? How's he feeling? How's he looking? How's he talking? When he's lost that, all that weight, that seven stone he's lost, he really is a very, very big man. A very tong, tall, long, lean man who looked healthy in the face, in the eyes. I loved the way he turned the ITV interview away the other day. got big yeah, news. He answered seven questions with no comment and said, that's enough. That's the way I want to see Tyson Fury mm. behave from now on. Not lose his tools, not throw his toys out of the pram. He didn't swear once mm-hmm. um, on, on Thursday. Um, he was very composed. I love the lines. Here's your, here's your headlines. He was going, take a bag of rice, Anthony Joshua. Take a handful of it, because that's the only way you're going to hit me. He had all the stuff ready. He was very... Um, praiseworthy of, uh, of of Anthony Joshua and what he'd achieved while Tyson Fury's been away 30 months. But the key for me is this is the guy who initially scattered the, the, the heavyweight belts to the wind in Dusseldorf in November 2015 by dismantling, taking to school Vladimir Klitschko and everyone else is mopping up the spoils from his own undoing, but I do think that Tyson Fury's got the bit between his teeth. He looks ready and ripe to come back. Keep him busy for four fights, two or three months apart, and I think we see the big fights next summer. I know you're a big fan of his. Spencer, where are you at with Tyson Fury? Well, yeah, I'm a big fan as well. A massive fan of Tyson Fury. I think what he's, what he's achieved is amazing. I know that he's, he fell out of love with a sport, um, and we all know the problems that he'd had, but he has got the bit between his teeth. I was speaking to Billy Joe Saunders last night, actually, and Billy's very close with Tyson, and he told me he's never seen him sort of preparing as hard for a fight. He said he's got that love back for the sport, which is the most important thing. He said he's got his weight down, he's training like a lunatic, and he wants to become and it's mental world health heavyweight. under control. That's the thing as oh, well with the training, the mental health he, under control. He's in, a, in an amazing mm. place, and he just wants one thing. He wants those belts off Anthony Joshua. Can he do it now? Stylistically, I think. I think he's got the he's got the tools to do it. But he's saying, very slippery. Are you saying Tyson Fury's going to beat your boy who you discovered? No, 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 I'm not saying I am, that. I am. I'm not. I am. Okay. I'm not. He's going right. to beat your boy. Be- before, right. I know that. Before you two <laughs> no, get into this argument, no. your boy. Listen. Before you I'm two gonna... get into this argument and this discussion, I just want to ask you one question sure. on on Tyson and, and his training camp. All right, because we're going to bring it back to that. I'm we're coming gonna... back to you, Gareth. No, we won't come back to that. No, no, we're coming back because your boy's getting beaten. Because listen, listen, Tyson 
is no longer working with his uncle, right? Yeah. How big of a factor is that in his camp? I don't think that's a massive factor, if I'm honest. I think that they parted on, on good terms. I spoke to Tyson about that. I, I, I've, I've had a good conversation with him about it. He, just, he felt that he needed something fresh. And in a fighter's career, when you get to a certain stage, sometimes change is good. Mm. He's found little Ben Davison. Ben, ben Davison's doing a great job with him and Billy Joe Saunders, both working really well with him as well. And it works. And if a fighter's happy with who he's got in his corner, listen, what can you teach Tyson Fury? Everything he does is totally unpredictable. Yeah. He does. He he's throws an shots from boxer. He's yeah, an instinctive he boxer, isn't he? And I think if Tyson Fury of old gets back to his best, then him and Anthony Joshua will be a great fight. No, no, hang on, Spencer. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, it won't be a great fight. It'll be a great fight. It'll be a great fight. And do you know why? It'll be, let me explain. I think there's going to be a, a fight, fight in the studio here in a minute. <laughs> it's only one I'm going to get the old referee bell out. I'm going to tell you why it'll be a great fight because I think that Tyson Fury, although he's is very difficult to hit and he's very elusive and throws shots from very weird angles. He does sometimes switch off. Anthony Joshua, we know, if he lands that one shot, yeah. game over, fight's over. I don't check. agree. And and Fury does take those chances. What I'm saying is, if that is a real 50-50 fight, but Fury has, has to be beat back at his very best to sort of compete with Joshua. And that fight really shouldn't happen for two years because if it happens before that, Joshua wins. Well, I, I, I don't know if two years, Spencer. I think that's a bit too long. But the thing is this. I do agree with you. That that's the one thing. I know I'm arguing with you about this, but the one thing I'll say is if it's the Tyson Fury that turned up with the confidence and mental strength and physical abilities and skill and agility and mm. boxes the way he boxed against Vladimir Klitschko against Anthony Joshua, I think he'll make him fall in. I think he'll, he'll be awkward, I think he'll tie him up I think he'll he'll take his jab away which he did with Klitschko because Joshua looked like Klitschko jabbing mm. against uh, Joseph Parker. But he was switched on for 12 rounds in that fight I think anyone, any, anyone that beats Anthony Joshua has to move on the back foot and has to win that in that while and if anyone can do that it's Tyson Fury I'm not, I'm not arguing that he's got a great case to beat Anthony Joshua, I'm just saying it's all about timing mm. for him and Joshua I know yeah. Fury, speaking to Billy Joe last night Fury would take the fight tomorrow <laughs> because that's what, that's what he's like he needs at least 18 months before that fight happens, otherwise Joshua will win Well it's funny because Eddie Hearns revealed that um, <clears throat> Anthony Joshua has even been taking calls from Tyson Fury and texts from him saying come on let's get this on, mm. but I agree I don't think it will happen till late next summer, at the very earliest. Plus, we like to build narratives, don't we? This exactly. is again, this is just, yeah. this is showbiz, baby. But, but, we can't just do it tomorrow. <laughs> but, We're going to make we, some nah. money, aren't we? But, but we you know, to... <laughs> if that fight was done tomorrow, though, that would fill any stadium anywhere, Absolutely. and I think it would break all box office records. Everybody loves Tyson Fury. Andy Joshua, we know, is is, is the the kingpin of, of of boxing at the moment globally. Um, it's a fight we need to see, man. But, 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 <laughs> although we accept that narratives have to be built for the very big fights, we also, I think, have a duty to the fans and myself as a journalist to get both sides and find out what's really going on behind the scenes in the negotiations for the fight. Because at the moment, Deontay Wilder isn't being offered enough to fight Anthony Joshua, in my view. Well, hang on a minute. Don't jump into the... Uh, Wilder yet. We'll save him for later okay. on in the show. We're doing okay. Fury at the moment. Okay. All right, mate. Don't okay. you worry. We'll come back to Wilder. I'll, I'll come back to him. I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a first shake down on the, on the show. No bother. Uh, do stick around because uh, we are going to be talking bantamweights, a uh, division which uh, Spencer knows quite a lot about uh, because we're going to be speaking to Paul Butler on the show. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. for him, trying to end this fight right here and now. Here's the big attack and the referee saves him. Referee steps in. Ultianu is furious. Oh! 
we go. That's the sign, that's the weakness. Good body shot. Still a minute and a half to go. It's a left and a right, don't know which. Oh, it's all over. How about that? Good shot, great left hand. He's about to go if he can find another one. Referee stopped it. It's all over. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport, your home for boxing with me, Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me as usual, and tonight we are joined by Spencer Oliver. And let me tell you, the flames are coming out the speakers tonight between <laughs> these two. We'll have to get in the middle of them in a minute. We will continue that chat about AJ and Fury and Wilder a little bit later on the show. And I've got your correspondence coming in on Twitter as well, at Adam Catterall. We will uh, throw those questions uh, towards Spencer and Gareth a little bit later on the show. Right now, though, um, I want to uh, talk uh, about a, a smaller weight category. Uh, Spencer, you applied your tread in the bantamweight division. Um, we've got a young man on here who's uh, hopefully going to become uh, a two-time world champion in this division uh, on May the 5th. It is, of course, Paul Butler, the baby-faced assassin himself. He's on the show. How are you, Paul? You all right, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. You good yourself? Yeah, we're all good in here. All good in here, pal. Good, good. Uh, listen, what a great opportunity. May the 5th, great card, obviously. Uh, Bell, you here too. Uh, mm-hmm. The eyes of the world are going to be watching. And boxing's a funny old game, mate, because you uh, relinquished this crown a few years back, and now you've got an opportunity yeah. to go and win it back again. Yeah, it would be nice to, to actually get the chance to, to win the old belt back, the IBF Bantamweight title. So, um, obviously, there was talks for a long time of the WBA with Jamie McDonald, but the uh, IBF popped up and I'm going to grab it with both hands hopefully this kid that you're fighting though mate Rodriguez he's no mug is he coming out of Puerto Rico no, I mean he's knocking no. kids out for fun I don't want to alarm you or anything you know what I mean but I like to keep <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes Paul <laughs> no he is he's a very good kid um, we've obviously looked at him quite a lot uh, I've knew for a while that this fight was possibly going to happen it was just about a matter of time of when so um, we've been in the gym we've been we've been staying fit Knowing that it was going to be sprung on us, and there's somebody here. We've got three weeks, three weeks today. Around this time, we'll be hopefully walking out the ring, bantamweight champion of the world. Spencer, obviously, you uh, applied your trade in the bantamweight mm-hmm. division. You know a little bit about Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, how would you go about uh, tackling the kid? Well, we know that he's dangerous with the right hand. We know he whacks with the right hand. He's tough. Likes to come forward, get a fight. And Paul Butler loves to loves to box on the outside. And basically, I think the way you win the fight is just by you know using your footwork, speed of foot, speed of hand, in and out. Just not stand. It's not sitting in the pocket. Um, yeah. And that's how you, that's how you win it. I'm sure that. Paul's done his homework on that. I think anyone that wants to stand still with Rodriguez is going to have a hard night. I think you just got to systematically break him down, work behind a jab, fast combinations, and then just move out the pocket. 100%. I think Spencer nailed it there. I think... Um, Do you want him in your corner? We'll get him in there with Joe if you want, mate. We'll take him in. It makes it sound easy. It makes it sound easy. That's the difficulty. Yeah, he's nailed it there. I think <laughs> if, if, you, if you watch him quite a bit, he's very... He's very much like Miguel Cotto. Uh, yeah, slow, yeah. Loves, loves that left right hand. He loves to counter with the right hand if you throw a sloppy jab. And um, mm. the left up to the body, he, he likes to finish on the left up to the body. And he admires his work once he's thrown. Mm. So I think if, if you're giving him feints and your feet are nice and quick, then I think you are going to cause him trouble. So, uh, everyone everyone he's had in front of him is there for him to beat. Mm. And he's never had, I don't think he's had anyone in there at the moment that's actually had ambition to go on and win a world title. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched a number of fights of Rodriguez. I was watching a few today, actually, and, and that's he fights very much like all Puerto Ricans, that they have got very slow feet, and they just like to plant them and whack them shots into the body and those big right hands yeah. over the top. And I think that if you stick to that game plan and do what you do best, Paul, and, and just work those feet mm. so fast in and out, you win the fight, mate. Yeah, I think, I think my feet have got to be pretty much 
very similar to the way a box to all. Um, mm. Sharp feet in and out. Um, try and make him fall short and and ping him just as he's as he's fallen short. Um, he, he will have his moments because he's a class fighter, but that's where we're looking at his good parts in the gym as well. Mm. Where we've I, got to try and nullify that. I don't want to put any extra pressure on you, here, Paul. Right, right. But but we fully well know, and uh, hopefully we are we aren't revealing anything too uh, too massive to uh, to our audience tonight. But World Boxing Super Series, Bantamweights is coming next year, mate. You know that. I know that. Okay. Yeah. What an added incentive. If you go in there as the IBF champion, my friend, I'd l- think of that Think of that coin to take it back to Ellesmereport because they pay well in that division, don't they, Sunshine? I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, you've got Callum in there now and Callum's flying, so I wouldn't mind a bit of that myself. And the bantamweights are coming in, so... What um, a division, though. Was, what a division this is, Spencer. Let's be straight, man. There's some yeah. serious talent at bantamweight worldwide I, now. I think there always has been at bantamweight. It's the bantams, super bantams, featherweights. have always got class acts, especially over in Puerto Rico, Mexico, um, and now Britain, we're flying as well. So, mm. you know, I think it's a real interesting weight. World Boxing su- um, su- uh, Super Series will be amazing. Uh, mm. And, um, yeah, can't wait for that. And let's get little Paul Butler to pick, win that competition. Come on, man. <laughs> you you owe one on Zelani Tete, mate. You owe him one, don't you? Come on. It's a very interesting point you make there, and we should make this with Paul. That obviously, you know, you, you won, the, as, as we mentioned, you won the IBF mm. bantamweight title against you all back in, well, it seems a long time ago now. It's four years ago, isn't it? And yeah. But then you yeah. opted to go to Superfly yeah. um, against Zelani Tetu, who is the, probably the most freakishly sized Superfly mm. you, you could almost, he's almost like an avatar, isn't he? As a, as a, as a, as a yeah. Superfly Sense- weight. Mate, I mean, he's a sensational boxer. No, though. but he's, he's also. 5'11", and which you know he shouldn't be allowed to be five yeah. eleven and, and make that weight. Mm. But you physically, was it a mistake to go back down? Because you went down for a while, then you came back up. Are you much happier at bantamweight? Your boxing, your power, your movement—everything seems better about you at uh, 118. You know. Yeah, at the moment, yeah, it does. But when I did go to bantamweight to start with, I was a natural super fly, so mm. I was advised. And the night Stuart Hall beat Malinga, I did get asked there, if Stuart Hall was to win the world title, would you go up, box him and come back down? Mm. And I agreed to that. But looking back now, um, you, should, you should never really give your title up, being a world champion. Yeah. Um, Hindsight's a wonderful thing, though, that. Paul. Isn't it? Hindsight's yeah, a wonderful thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And you, do you know what? That's why I made up and boxing for the IBF title again, because mm-hmm. I, I can hopefully win it and then go on to defend it then. Well, I do hope indeed you win on, on May the 5th. It's going to be a great night uh, in London. What I wanted to ask you was um, a rival you've never fought, I, I believe. I don't think you fought Jamie McDonnell. He's got Noya Inui on, yeah. on May yeah. the 25th that's in another, Japan. That's a tough fight. That's another cracker. But if you get the IBF and he gets the WBA, could we see that in Britain? See, in the World Boxing Super Series, mate. They'll be in yeah. there. Yeah. They'll be drawing. Mm. The, you know what yeah. I mean? They could be yeah. yeah. drawing a semi-final or something. I think that's a tough one because... It's the WBA regular, and I don't think the WBA are doing um, a unification with... Yeah. Well, no, the IBF wouldn't with it being a regular, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Because mm. I remember talking about this when I won the IBF, and Jamie McDonnell had the regular. They yeah. wouldn't allow it. Uh, what, where are, you must where are they at with that? Though, but you must want to fight McDonnell, because he's, he's a rival, he's in the same... He lives in the same jungle as you. Mm. you surely yeah. you want to prove you're the number one, you're the king lion, you know? Of course, I do. I boxed at the um, the O2 last time out, just a little tick over eight rounds, and I spoke to Jamie after it, and he was like, listen, he said, I'll box anyone. He said, boxing 
isn't the be-all and end-all for me. He said, it's a job for me. I don't watch it. I don't like it. He said, and I'll box anyone if the money's right. He said, but the money at the moment isn't right. What well, what I'm getting offered to box you. He said, I'm getting offered good money, so I might go yeah. to Japan. Mm-hmm. And obviously that... Any man would do the same thing, wouldn't he? Of course, they? yeah. Well, it's because he makes more money plastering, no. isn't it, generally? Yeah. <laughs> no, with his brother. I mean, they're, they're plasterers, aren't they? You know. They Listen, are. it's a fact that all British boxing fans would love to see, and hopefully, mate, we get to see that in the World Boxing Super Series, but you've got to get that IBF title first, mate. Best of luck, pal, on, the, on May the 5th, mate. Cheers, thanks a lot. Top Cheers, man. Good luck, mate. It's a good one, that. It's going to be live on TalkSport as well, obviously. Uh, Bell, you hear two live on TalkSport on that undercard. Uh, we've got Paul Butler taking on Emmanuel Rodriguez for the IBF Bantam weight crown. Uh, lots to talk about tonight, including Amir. We've not even mentioned Amir Khan yet, and we've got him live on TalkSport next week. Stick around. It's all coming up a little later on in the show. It's not an easy fight, and no fight's easy. I'm going to go in there and do what I do best. A lot's happened in my life, but... So it's time to kind of put all that behind me and focus on what I need to do. And you see Khan's movement, his range, his height looks imposing, and the jab is terrific. Left hand thumps off the head of Malinaz. Khan, Khan's knockout shots look more convincing. Good, good, Steve good stoppage by Steve Smoga. Well done. In the eyes of judges, incidentally, oh. he's won at least 40 oh. And down goes Madonna oh. on a tremendous body tap. Here comes the Olympic pride of England, the defending champion, Amir King Khan! Next week, live on Talk Sport, make sure you come and join us. It is the return of King Khan himself, Liverpool, the destination, the Echo Arena. Uh, like I said, live and exclusive on TalkSport Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis will be alongside me. Matt Macklin's in, uh, alongside us next week as well. And Don McGuinness will be calling the fight uh, commentary. So you'll get live commentary of Amir Khan's return against Phil Logreco. Spent a little bit of time uh, with Amir uh, yesterday. And it's quite apt that we're talking about him today because we've just been speaking about Tyson Fury, who's been out for the best part in two and a half years. Amir, near enough to the day, is, hasn't fought for two years since that devastating knockout against uh, Canelo in a couple of weight divisions above where he's coming back out though at 147 pounds for me I'm quite I'm delighted that he's back Spencer I don't know about you but I'm delighted that he's back I keep forgetting that he's only 31 years of age this lad mm-hmm. yeah you have got to remember he was competing in the Olympics when he was just 17 he won a silver medal in the Olympics it was quite phenomenal and I think he's had an amazing career Amir Khan and I still think he's got a lot left um and Phil LaGreco, by the way, I think is the perfect comeback opponent mm. for him. He's quite flat-footed, carries his, he keeps his hands high, but he's quite slow. And I think that Amir Khan could look sensational against him. And I think that's exactly what he needs. I think that he needs a massive performance here next Saturday. Anything below par is just not good enough. Mm. I agree. I we, agree. we said that again. When yeah. we went to the Kel Brook fight and we saw Kel Brook blow Rabchenko away in two rounds, great statement. Fantastic. He's blown off the cobwebs of the Errol Spence and the Golovkin mm. fights. Mm. Fantastic. We want to see Kel Brook, Amir Khan at some point. It's over to you now, Amir Khan. The ball's in your court now. Make an even bigger statement to get the fans' juices flowing for that fight. No, I agree. I mean, I've done a... I had a terrific interview with Amir this week. It's in the Sunday Telegraph tomorrow. I mean, it's out online now. But he, he's... Look, when you think about it, it's exactly two years since he was knocked out by that cannonball right hand. I'm um, kind of... You know, his career was in tatters, but his bank balance was bulging at the mm. time for that fight in Las Vegas against Canelo. Mm. There were audible gasps in the arena that night. Obviously, I was there. 
And when he fell, he fell in that crucifix position where the arms flap out on his back and you, and his body kind of folded and crumpled. I'm not joking. There was a noise there. People were wondering if he was ever going to go get, get up. I asked Amir this week, retrospectively, how he feels now that Alvarez, Saul Canelo Alvarez, has tested positive for carbuterol. Yeah. Yeah. And Amir said to me, do you know what? When I got in that ring with him, I could feel his strength. Mm. When I stood opposite him, him in the way in... He didn't seem that big, but he'd grown 30 pounds Liam almost. Smith said the same thing when he uh, yeah, fought him. Yeah. He just and, balloons up, and, and, and just imagine, because that's what I was suggesting to Amir, what happens if you had been kind of kind of terminally ill after yeah. that punch? Injured, or, yeah. or really injured. Spencer's been through it. This is one of the guys here mm. sitting to our right mm-hmm. who is testament to the safety procedures in British boxing. Um, Spencer had um, brain surgery, of course, you know, and he is a brilliant man and he's returned to him. He can't fight anymore. He he wants to fight every day. But (laughs) no, but the the point is, um, Khan Khan literally says that he should be banned. Yeah, listen. Um, And and, and, and I know I'm not talking about his comeback here, but it was a very important point that Amir made this week because um, he didn't say he, he, he was on stuff and he said God only knows if he was on stuff at the time. He said, but he needs a ban because yeah. he's a biggest name in boxing. Well, he's failed two tests. He's, he's failed, failed two, two tests. tests. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely no tolerance with it whatsoever. At yeah. the end of the day, if, you, if you're caught cheating, you, there should be some type of ban. I totally agree. I think there's no place in this sport for, for cheats. You know, we see injuries... And, and, and fatalities in this sport all the time, and um, there's no place. Yeah, there's no place for these people. And I and I'm not buying it at all. Like, you see the body changing so much over the last couple of years of um, Canelo, and mm. and I, you know I'm not buying that it was contaminated meat. I think that he should be banned, and I think there should be a life ban. And that's and that's the bottom line of it. All right, let me let me tell you this then, Sergei Devakov. The man you fought, mm-hmm. you were injured afterwards. Yeah, you went yeah. to hospital. You had life-saving brain surgery. If Devakov had tested positive for a banned substance, what would you be thinking? I'd be, oh, you'd be fuming, wouldn't you? You'd be just like, it's yeah. criminal, isn't it's it? It's criminal. It is yeah. a criminal act. You'd want them to. You, you would want them to get the, a life sentence. Well, you've broken exactly. the you've broken the law and yeah. the contractual obligations. You've Absolutely. broken that, so therefore it's now outside the rules of boxing. Yeah, it has now become a legal situation I think for it's me. criminal you, you, yeah. I think it's criminal and and, and, and it, it has been noticeable over the last couple of years now this has come out with Alvarez it has been noticed how much his body shape has changed mm. so you know you've got to question how long it's been going on and in the manner that Amir Khan was taking out that could have been a career ending fight for Amir Khan because as you rightly pointed out Gareth he was on the floor in a crucifix like position, mm. no movement, and mm. you did for the first five, ten seconds think, Wow, <laughs> yeah, is this kid okay? No, absolutely, mm. you know, now, and, and it's worrying now. Off the back of that, because obviously next week it's all about Amir Khan and his comeback, and that's for a lot of fight fans, they will look at that knockout getting knocked out of uh, Canelo and the one against uh, Danny Garcia, and obviously the really early one against Br- British Prescott. I know he lost against Peterson, but it, there's another person that failed a drug he test. Didn't, on that he fight. didn't lose that fight, but he, he lost. But there's another person judging. that failed a drug test and he ended up getting yeah. his belt back. Yeah, 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 However, yeah, there you go. those yeah. three knockouts, right? So you've got British Prescott, you've got Danny Garcia, and Canelo. It seems to me that when I speak to fight fans about Amir, his his career for some reason has been defined by those three moments they've forgotten about Maidana they've forgotten about all these fights that he's taken people to school down the years yeah, no, he, look, he was brilliant against Katelnik he, he, he had his coming of age against Marco Antonio Barrera the, Zab Judah Zab, Zab Judah was brilliant was Devin brilliant. Alexander was brilliant Colazzo was great look he, Amir um, even listen the, the fight with Marcos Maidana and remember what Marcos Maidana did for two fights with Floyd Mayweather absolutely let's not forget that let's put it in context Amir was getting murdered by Maidana in the 10th round 
around. I was there in, 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 the, in the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. He was literally, it was watching... After schooling him for eight rounds, though. For eight rounds. Put yeah. him down with a body shot yeah. early on. He actually, in he, the 10th round, in that fight. he was looking up for a clock that was above the ring that when he boxed there. in the Olympics. That wasn't there. That's where he was at. He went back to <laughs> yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was crazy. But, but you know what? The thing is about Amir, I always said this about him, he's, he's, he's got the fastest hands you've ever seen, he's got great footwork, but he does have vulnerability around the chops. But you know what? It's made the ride all that more exciting. Of course, yeah. And he is a... The problem for Amir is... And you speak to Virgil Hunter about this. Virgil reckons that Amir could have been one of the greats if he'd been shown how to clinch on the inside, mm. work on the inside, get off the ropes quickly, which he doesn't do. And Because what he is, he's a brilliant come-forward boxer, but he can't fight on the back foot. And that's his issue. I think that the problem with Amir Khan is as well, when you look historically through his career, that every time he's come up against a big puncher... He decides to trade it out and have yeah, a, and yeah. have a gun. Why? Because he's a Patan warrior. I don't know. Because he's from it's crazy, the isn't it? He's it's, from... it's the maddest thing <laughs> no, you've no, ever seen. Because when he, he boxes a boxer, yeah. he boxes beautifully. Yeah, that's right. It's like a heroic thing he's that comes warrior. into him. Yeah, he's a warrior. He does like to go toe to toe. It is a little bit crazy. So, for, so the question for you two then is: Would you say if he's going to make inroads in the 147 pound division and hopefully regain a world title, he's got to be a little bit more boring? No, I think that's what... It's a really think, hard question. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I Listen, I think Phil LaGreco, Amir Khan does a job on him next Saturday night and he looks sensational. Yeah, I think he does and I think he looks sensational in doing so. Amir Khan's back and the fight we want to see is Kel Brook. Brook. And that's not, Because we, we, were talking, we yeah. were talking off air actually about yeah. all these big fights that have... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Should have been made, weren't made, now they've gone, like in British boxing. Well, this like, is like this Anthony Crawler and Terry Flanagan yeah. never happened. It's another yeah. one that must... It's two years too late. They both shot up two weight divisions, yeah. um, you know, to, to, to bust their bank balances, to burst their bank balances. The problem is, this fight was huge 18 months ago. Absolutely huge, but egos got in the way. Um, I think by the time they come to fight, it's not a big stadium fight anymore. It's an O2 arena. 
Hmm. You know? uh, plenty more to come in the final hour of the show. Make sure you stick around. It's me, Adam Cattrall, Gareth A. Davis and Spencer Oliver. Lots to come. All right, we've got the Boxing Hall of Fame. We've got a bit of cultural corner coming your way. We're going to be speaking to Scott Corker. And, of course, uh, we'll be looking ahead uh, towards some of the fights that we've got coming up on TalkSport over the next month or so. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Uh, welcome to the show. It is Fight Night on TalkSport. We are your home for boxing. Uh, we are joined, myself and uh, Gareth, uh, by Spencer Oliver. He's in the studio with us. The first hour has flown, so if you've only just joined us, it will be available as a podcast. You can have a little bit of a nosy at that uh, throughout your working week. Okay. Oh, Spencer Oliver. <laughs> oh, Spencer That's Gareth, That's Gareth by the way. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, you can. 087 uh, You can text on 81089. And you can tweet the show directly at Adam Catterall. It comes through on the big screen so everyone can have a little bit of a nosy uh, as to what your thoughts are regarding some of the topics that we're talking about. We've got, of course, Cultural Corner coming up in a minute. We're going to be speaking to Scott Corker as well, who is uh, uh, the Bellator CEO. They're coming to London very, very uh, soon to celebrate their 200th show at Wembley. Uh, Gareth will give us a little bit of insight on that. Uh, we're also going to have a little bit of a look back at uh, James DeGale last week and a look ahead to some of the fights that we've got coming up in the not-too-distant future. However, right now, it's time to stick something into our Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, now, each week, what we do, we stick something, not necessarily someone, but something, uh, into our Boxing Hall of Fame. We've had trilogy fights, we've had a group of fans even been thrown into uh, the Boxing Hall of Fame, those that used to follow Ricky Hatton uh, all over the place uh, to Las Vegas. Uh, we've had um, belts and various things. Anything can go into the Boxing Hall of Fame. And I think today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go quite serious, lads. I'm going to go a little bit uh, poignant on us. Right? Unlike you. Well, it is unlike me, because normally I'm, I'm laughing and joking with regarding some of the things that I want to stick into the Hall of Fame. But today, it seems that Spencer is alongside us. Mm-hmm. You, touched a, you touched upon this just before the break, obviously, with what Spencer went through uh, at the back end of his professional career. I want to just pay homage and my own personal respect to fighters that get in the ring. That's it. Just fighters that get in the ring that are prepared to risk everything. I'm... I would class myself as decent friends with David Price. Now, his career, obviously, as everybody knows, has not necessarily played out as we all maybe predicted when he was British and Commonwealth champion. And when I saw at uh, the Principality Stadium last week, at the top of the ramp, and the love pouring out from the fans as he was making his ring walk, forget what happened in the fight, but I looked at him and I thought to myself, I've got so much admiration for you right at this moment in time. You mm. could have quit so many times. So many times you could have jacked this in. But you have got the biggest cojones in the world to stand at the top of that ring and then make that ring walk for a fight, which mm. you were a massive underdog against. And massive you came within underdog. a whisker and, of winning as well. Absolutely. With that left hook in the and third you know, round. And also, do you know what? I feel so sorry for David Price. Because like, like you remember when he was knocking out all the Harrison in the round and, and he Skelton was, he was and all those Skelton guys. and yeah, everyone. Yeah. And his career was ruined by drug, drug cheats. Yeah. His losses were ruined by drugs. Yeah. Tony Thompson, yeah. who, who failed the drugs test. Erkin Tepper. And Erkin Tepper, yeah. who failed the drugs test. And that effectively ruined his career. It took him a long time. And what I loved about that fight against Povetkin was that 
you saw the, a bit of the old David Price that he went out there because he went gun shy for a little while and he'd never really seen the same from them them losses because they were bad losses. And there against Povetkin, he was in within a whisker of winning that fight. Yeah. He had him going and he rolled the dice and he took the gamble and unfortunately he got caught. But I love David Price. He's one of the nicest guys in boxing. Absolutely. And that's why he's not going to give up the ghost. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, you hung your head in your hands five minutes. I know you're very close with David yeah, as yeah. well. And I've, I've known David many years. And I, I, I mean, I was up screaming out of my seat when he hit him with that left hook. And he sent Povetkin staggering into the corner at the end of the third round, having been down himself. And he staggered back out as well. And he staggered he back did. out. But David, David was in a whis- within a whisker. I mean, look. Um, he knows how he feels. It was a bad landing when he was got knocked out because he was out on his feet. But he's happy to go on, you know. And that's where my that's I, what I'm saying with the whole affair now, right? That's yeah, where my admiration yeah, comes for these yeah, warriors. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Spencer, the thing that you obviously went through, and I know that you've spoke about this over the last twenty years since you've not been boxing professionally, but you love this sport, mm. and if you and if you were medically passed, you would get back in the ring tomorrow. That's the thing that I admire yeah, the most to yeah. have that mentality, to have that. That that bravity, that, that that braveness about you to be able to make that ring walk because that's something me as a pundit and as a journalist just sits on the ringside mm. admiring that from afar. That's the thing that I, I want to put into the whole of him. I think that yeah, I think that 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 never leaves you. And I think in my in my case where it was, I was sort of at, you know at the top of the game. I was number two in the world, European champion. Everything was going right for me, topping the bill at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm going up on a crane, and next thing I'm waking up in a hospital bed, and I'm thinking, whoa, where did those twelve days go? You know, as far as I was concerned, I was still at the Royal Albert Hall. It was like the weirdest experience of my life. I sort of, um, yeah, I, I got knocked out on, on the 2nd of May and woke up on the 14th still thinking I was at the Albert Hall. And so I think that burning fire still still stays alight inside you and you still want to do it. And I think that's why the passion has never really left me. So, you know, I still got a fighter's mentality because mm. it's not like I sort of fought it out and, and the, the love for the sport left me. It was, um, it was still there. I, I think the analogy is that, you know, if you're the kind of person where you see someone being bullied across the road and you, you go or you, mm. or you um, see a child lying in the road, you're going to go and pick them up no matter what anyone says. It could be a naked baby. You're going to pick that child up. Not the, I think it's the same for fighters. Mm. You, you have that instinct that never leaves you. Yeah, um, I, I agree. You know, I mean, and we, we get this experience at the Boxing Writers every year at the Savoy when all the old guys, all the kind of Terry Downs and all mm. the guys from all the ages come in and Frank Bruno's there and Duke McKenzie's back and everyone's there and Errol... Christian. It's a brotherhood, isn't it? it it's a brotherhood. You, you, when you're in the room with about, it must be 100, 150 mm. ex-world champions, uh, champions from abroad occasionally, you know, Tim Witherspoon comes, that when you're in that room with the, you know, every, every boxing writer has a table, it's an extraordinary experience. I must have been almost 20 times now. And you feel these people who, and I, I think it's so brilliant you put this into the Hall of Fame. I didn't know you were going to do this because there is a... There is a courage and, and a stoicism about these mm-hmm. people that is not in other sports, I'm do, afraid. Do you know what I love about it as well, Gareth, is that you will see two guys that have knocked the life out of each other <laughs> and really disliked each other in, in the time when they were boxing. They might have knocked the life out of each other in two or three times, you know, in Sitting returns or whatever, and they will sit there and they'll be drinking together and having yeah. a laugh together, and you just think, wow. 
Uh, you know, I, it's I just the most bizarre thing ever. Well, I think I remember Frank Bruno busting up a fight between Lloyd Hunnigan and was it Errol Christie? Uh, Harold <laughs> Gray was uh, one of those guys. Anyway, yeah. uh, Lloyd had some. He was he was there looking like a pimp with his fur coat on and his cane, and he was stabbing someone with his cane, saying, "You took this off." He's still like that. Some by funny the way. nights. We have, we have some funny nights. <laughs> we there, do. You know? I, I think that's the um, combination of ex fighters and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. That's what I'm sticking in the Hall of Fame this week. The the respect uh, for the courage that these men show and women show on a week-by-week basis for our entertainment to make that ring walk uh, to to put on a show for us uh, week-by-week. Now then, a man that's going to be making that ring walk next week uh, is Carl Frampton. He's back in action as well in an absolute ding-dong. Oh, and he's gone down to it as well. Good down, good body shots. You can say that again. Frampton's just waiting a little bit too long, isn't he? He's a few more feet coming forward. Oh, like that! Like that! Brilliant left hand! Superb punch from Frampton! And Casares can't believe it! For my last fight against Horatio Garcia, obviously, he was back home as well. And I, before that, I hadn't boxed at home in about two and a half years. And I missed the atmosphere. You know, I've I, I done quite well and I, I travelled the world and you know, I fought in the States couple of times in that time period I fought in Manchester which kind of felt like Belfast with the crowd that we brought over but there's nothing like a Belfast atmosphere it's hard to compete with anywhere in the world and I loved it the last time I think this is a bigger fight it's going to be even better and uh, I can't wait to wait to go on now uh, so next week, live on TalkSport, of course, we'll be in Liverpool for Amir Khan and Phil LeGreco, but I've no doubt we'll have one eye on what is happening in Belfast, uh, because what an opportunity uh, for uh, Carl Frampton to put another massive name on his resume in Nonita Denaire, the Filipino Flash. Uh, and if he does do that, then he will become um, right in line for Oscar Valdez, the WBO champion who we saw up against Scott Quigg recently. Well, he's obviously, he's the guy that he's targeting right now. We mentioned earlier on... Um that there, there isn't as much talk about the winner of Lee Selby and Josh Warrington, of course, who fight on May the 19th, if That's I'm right, right yeah. at Ellen Road. Um, the funny thing is, I'm kind of directing this to Spencer, I'm, I'm, for different reasons, I think uh, Nanito Donaire, the Filipino Flash, four-weight world champion, is really right for Carl Frampton at this point mm-hmm. in his career, in the same way that Lagreco is for Khan right now as well. I think... Look, he can't put a foot wrong against this guy, but he's a much smaller man naturally, but a brilliant fighter. But mm. it's the kind of style that suits Carl. A come-forward Filipino, likes to throw his hands, doesn't box that much off the back foot, and Carl's great going forward and coming back, isn't well, he? You know? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's like what we were saying. Again, he's a guy that's very flat-footed, isn't he? And anyone that wants to stand with him, mm. he's going to give them nightmares because he throws shots from good angles. He throws some unbelievable... Um, uppercuts out of his 38 wins he's got 24 KOs this yeah. guy can really whack for a small guy but it'll look brilliant on TV this fight it'll uh, but, look brilliant. but what Frampton has got is amazing feet he works so well on, mm. his, on his footwork and I know that he's he's in a really good place at the moment he's working up in Manchester with Jamie Moore he seems to he seems to have reinvented himself well, up there. It's like there. he's got a smile on his face, he, Spencer, he, man. Yeah, he's in he a really good place. He was talking really about two years ago, wasn't he? He was yep. talking about retirement with us. Yeah, well, that's what we say. When, when fighters fall out of love with a sport, we were talking about it with, earlier on with Tyson Fury. You know, fighters fall out of the love with a sport. And Billy Joe Saunders said that that happened to him as well before he went up to the Winkerbank gym. Mm. Sometimes in the fighters' career, when, you know, when they've been boxing for such a long time, they need change. And they, and they, seem, to get the, they, they get to, seem to get that sparkle back. 
I think we've got that with Colframpton, and if we have, I think we're going to see a sensational performance. But Donair cannot be underestimated because no, this guy really—you don't win world titles at four different weights, and you're not—you're not up to much. You know, he's coming off a winning fight against um, Gar- uh, Ruben um, Garcia Hernandez. Yeah. So you know, he's 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 still doing well. Um, it could be a good fight. The, the funny thing is, um, the highlight for me of the show so far is you, uh, Spencer Oliver using the word sparkle there. Brilliant, live on air. Thank you very much. No, no, really. doesn't really fit with boxing, does no, it, but sparkle? It, but sparkle yeah. I'm going with. Yeah. But look, the thing is this. Um, Carl Frampton, um, you, look at, you look, he had an anus... Um, Marabolus in 2006. Are you using Latin now on I the am, show? Sorry, we've had sparkle and Latin in 30 seconds. Hold on, he digs me out for sparkle <laughs> and then comes out with that. With Marabolus, <laughs> but no, he had a brilliant year in 2016. He becomes a two-weight world champion. He beats Scott Quigg and he beats um, Leo Santa Cruz. Well, it was the Ring Magazine fight. Fight of the Year, wasn't it? Ring Magazine yeah, Fight yeah. of the Year, accolades into the top ten pound for pound, zip. Anis Horribilis. Can yeah. I use that? Okay. You can. In, in mm-hmm. Total contrast. Total nice. contrast of the year. He, yeah. he, 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 as a fight, he loses to Leo Santa Cruz in the rematch in Las Vegas earlier in the year. He He's overweight for his fight in the summer against um, Gutierrez. Yeah. Gutierrez smashes his teeth yeah. weirdly the night before they don't fight. Yeah. He doesn't look good against Horatio um, Garcia. Mm. I think I've got, I've got the name right there. Yeah, yeah. He's a Mexican. I think you do really December. well, mate. You're doing yeah. really well. But, but he didn't look great. He was knocked down late in the fight or the seventh round and didn't look himself. I think Jamie Moore is a brilliant guy to be around to do the old school stuff that he's doing. And as you rightly were telling me before, Ad, before the show started, he's working with Man City's kind of technical yeah. sports science team. He looks in shape, man. Uh, he he, he looks in real Carl, good shape. Carl's a beast, let's be honest. Mm. And he loves a fight, but he's also... This is almost like another phase for him. He's got great fights ahead of him. He's got his mind set on Oscar Valdez. I was there ringside when he fought Scott Quigg. Valdez against Frampton is a brilliant yeah, fight is. if he can come through Donair. But having said that, though, Selby Warrington, there's a great... I mean, for us British fight fans, yeah. what a knock there. I mean, we both... well. I'm, 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 I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume that Selby will come through that fight. Selby now, beats Frampton like Tyson Fury beats Anthony Joshua Spencer. Is that look at you? Why are you stirring the wow. pot again? I just want wow. to talk Selby Warrington first. Wow. I'm going to say that Selby will come through that, and if he does, and Frampton comes through Donair, that for me is the fight to make. That's one hundred percent. That's a fight. That's a fight that has to be made. I think that. I think that they'll both be in a position where they have to fight each other as well. Mm. I think Selby wants to fight, and he wants it tomorrow. And I and I think that um, Frampton. He's happy to go down a different route and fight him because he knows that Selby's style is going to give him problems. He's he's like a box of tricks, Selby, isn't he? He's got yeah. really quick hands. He's got a great engine. He moves from side to side. He's the type of fighter. Yeah, speaking Al Heyman as speaking well, which... as an ex-fighter, he's the type of fighter as an absolute nightmare to yeah. fight. Mm. So you try and avoid those people like the plague. So I think that I think that he's doing the right thing, Frampton, by boxing Donair, who's a great great fighter. He was a pound for pounder in his day, four weight world champion. Looks great on the record. And then he can think about setting up fights with people like Selby, or you know. But that's the fight I think that we all want to see as British fight fans, um, Frampton Selby. I've got to say, I've got to butt in here. I'm getting a lot of support on Twitter for my views on Fury and Joshua. No, my mate, my listen, mate we'll Carl Winnerson, and Fury beats him later on 10 okay, or 11 rounds. All right, listen, You're running scared, I Spencer. saw that about an hour ago. Yeah. That was ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Spencer's going to get an opportunity to defend himself in a minute, all right? Make sure you stick around. You're listening to Fight Night times. on Talk Sport. Uh, lots still to come on the show, including Gareth's Cultural Corner. Do not be going anywhere. 
Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds of action, we go to the scorecards. We have a unanimous decision. Here are the score totals. Judge at ringside, John McKay, scores about 117 to 110. Judges Don Trella and Robert Hoyle both scores about 114 to 113. All three in favor of the winner. And once again, the IBF Super Middleweight Champion of the World. It wasn't a hard, hard fight. It looked grueling and brutal, but it wasn't. If you look at my face now, it's not very bruised. It's not very. It's not swollen. The cuts made it a lot worse. But I'm so happy. Listen, Is my the grey cloud gone. Gone. That's gone straight away. When I heard Ananu, that's it. Two time. Right, it went. It was yeah. a very difficult style matchup. You and him, anyway. And it would always be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the question we have to ask is um, no retirement. No, no. I said I would. I said I would retire if I didn't win every round. But, but as I said, I was comfortable. I think the the cuts made the fight look a lot worse. And yeah, no, I'm happy, and I, I still believe I'm the best in the division. I so believe that I can beat anyone. So what? Oh, next? I'm gonna. Well, yeah, I'm not judge back. I tell you what's gonna happen. I'm gonna have a couple weeks off, but I will be on the phone to Al Heyman in the next week, and he will have a plan, and he'll tell me what the next move is. But come on, George Groves, Callum Smith, of course, um, the fights I want, you know, Benavidez, right, you know, yeah, right Ramirez, now, yeah, well, I think, if I'm being honest, Eubank, ben, yeah, Benavidez, no. uh, Benavidez, Benavidez is probably the most realistic, I suppose, okay. because Groves and Smith are in the tournament, Eubanks, he's okay. finished. I don't think anybody is going to profess that that was the prettiest thing to watch last week when James DeGale became a, a two-time world champion. But let's not throw shit on him. At the end of the day, the guy's got an Olympic gold medal. He's won uh, two world titles and he's done it both times on the road. Fair play, man. You were there last week. I, I was. Uh, I was on holiday, as you say. Uh, in, in He's in always on holiday in, in Vegas. <laughs> He's always around. in Vegas enjoying himself um, yeah. this year. <laughs> Never but, text me, though, Spence. You know what I mean? Never yeah. text me on these you, trips. I, he don't take me either. <laughs> I want you. I miss you. I love you. Yeah, Adam, yeah, yeah. I just get pictures of you outside various hotels enjoying yourself. That's what I get. <laughs> but look, that was an hour after he fought. You could hear his dad going, nah, he doesn't want to fight Eubank in the background there. Um, I was slightly concerned. Uh, obviously, James was very positive after the fight. It was a grueling fight. Um, I still don't think he uses his combinations anymore enough. He's single punching. I, I had him needing the last round to win that after the point deduction for shoving with his shoulder. Which so, was ridiculous. Come on. It was ridiculous. I mean, The referee was he, poor. He probably won it by two, two or three rounds without that. Um, but, you know, Truex was a tough man as well. Caleb Truex, who'd taken the title off him. But... Um, I'd love to have seen James. I mean, I've known a long time, as you say, first guy to win a, an Olympic gold and a, and a professional world title afterwards in British boxing history. Yeah. His legacy is secure. It's secure. The legacy is secure. But, yeah, yeah. but you know what? Because he's a big name, because mm. there's the George Groves fight or the Chris Eubank Jr. fight or the Benavidez fight, the Ramirez fight, he's going to earn a million pounds a fight. And, you- and, 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 and guys can't give it up. Spencer. No, no. And do, you know what's, do you know what's a shame about James DeGale? That he was our... First Olympic gold medalist to go and win a world title. And the British public have never really taken to James. Mm. And he's always had to do it the hard way. He's had to do it in the other guy's backyard. He's had to do it on the road. So you've got to give him credit for that. He's been in a lot of hard contests. And there's, you know, I think that there were signs of that on on Saturday night um, against Turax. And I think that at times he looked... 
way past his best to put it to put it kindly and, and Gareth's hit an nail on the head mm-hmm. he was throwing a lot of single shots and what's worrying for me and alarming for me is the 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 frequency that he's getting hit now yeah, he yeah, never I mean, used to have that he used to be very silky smooth slick southpaw couldn't really hit with a bag of rice and that that's changed now he's slowed up mm-hmm. a lot and um I think it's going to be tough for him at the top, mixing with the you know the, the winner of the Super Six or even Chris Eubank Jr. I, I really do. I think that James DeGale's been a great ambassador for the sport. I'm really pleased he got the title back. Um, and so Doug, you're saying he loses to Callum Smith, George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr.? I'd probably say right now, yeah. I, I agree with that. And, I, mm, and yeah. I, listen, I'm, I would say I'm a friend of James as well, but oh, listen, I'm, they're I'm not all knocking... really tough fights. Yeah. I mean, how do you see those fights, Adam? No, I'd agree. I think I'd, since that war that he had with Badu Jack, he's obviously had a lot of surgery, hasn't he? He's had his nose done, he's had his shoulder done. He spent a lot of time out of the ring. He just doesn't look the same guy. Mm. Yeah. The combinations, yeah. like you just rightly said, weren't there. He was throwing too many single shots and he was getting hit to it easily. I think if he fights a better fighter than Caleb Truex, Caleb Truex threw that fight away for me. We've got to remember he's had a long, hard career, James DeGale. And, he, and he's absolutely. done, you know, he's never been given it easy, you know, and he's done it, he's done it the tough way, but yes. he's done it. I mean, he's, you know, he's conquered it as an amateur. He won, the, you know, the best things you could win as an amateur. He's yeah. done the same as a pro. And I think, you know, He's just looking old as a fighter to me. I'm going to be totally honest. Mm. He's looking, you know, he's looking past his best to me. But he's always proved people wrong. I'm hoping. He has. He's spent a career doing that. I'm hoping that it's an opponent thing. I mean, we've seen him fight Caleb Truex twice now, and it's been pulled both times. I'm hoping it's that. So next time we see him, I mean, we saw Billy Joe fight uh, Willie Munro, and it was a terrible fight. Then he goes and fights Devin Lemieux, and he looks a million dollars. So hopefully, I'm holding out. (laughs) I'm I'm going to go with you and say, hopefully, you you are totally correct, and I'm proven totally wrong. And it's not a personal thing against James Tegall. This is just my... My opinion, you know, my my opinion, and and just from you know me analysing what's going on, and I've watched his career right from the beginning. I've got you know, and I love the guy, and I think he's done done amazing. But I still think mm. the signs have been there for the last few fights that he seems to be slowing down. In the other I, fight on that yeah. night that you were ringside for, though, let's be honest, what a fight that was between Arisander Lara. And uh, Big Jarrett Heard. I say Big Jarrett Heard because he looked absolutely massive. Didn't he, he really did. He looked massive all week, and and he had a brilliant Swifty, a swift uh, swift herd. He had his, he he had the herd with him. He had the whole tribe with him there. They were amazing. I celebrated in amongst them all. I was just showing special. <laughs> of he he just break. showed me the video, and, and it looked just like it, was incredible. it looked like a carnival. But, but <laughs> you crazy. know, but you know what? You you always had the sense. I mean, I've seen Lara a few times live, and he's so slick and so beautiful. He's one of the best boxers on the planet for me. Uh, in Boxing, pure boxing terms, pound, pound for pound. But Hurd, as you say, is so big. He's so physical. I really think he might go on to dominate it. He's not the most technical boxer in the world, but his physicality, I think we'll see him dominate Jamal Him and Charlo. Him and Charlo has got to happen for me. Yeah. yeah, it will happen, but I just think that Hurd's too big for all of them. Yeah, I exactly. could not believe the size, actually. I was like, it was like looking at a, a cruiserweight. Yeah. It really massive. was. He Certainly was a light heavy. Ginormous. Yeah. 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 He is big. Mm, absolutely massive. Uh, we're going to uh, continue uh, the debate on Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, AJ, between these two. I'm going to get out. We're going to do it at around about quarter to midnight so I can just leave the studio and just let them go talk to talk. <laughs> what I'm going to do, I'm going to lock the cage. That's what I'm going to do and just let you have a go at each other. All right? That's, what, that's how we're going to finish the show. Uh, and speaking of cages, we are going to be speaking to the man uh, that is the CEO of Bellator uh, next. Scott Coker, a good friend of Gareth, is going to be on the show next uh, talking all things Bellator 200 because it's coming to London. Welcome to the jungle. Uh, right now, we are uh, changing codes 
here on Fight Night. We are your home for boxing, but we're also your home for MMA as well here in the UK. And uh, in the not-too-distant future, Bellator 200 comes to Wembley Arena. Gareth A. Davis will be ringside there. He's actually just invited Spencer. You didn't invite me, but you've invited Spencer to come and sit ringside and cage side with you. No bother, You're mate. very welcome to come, and you should ask the man we're going to have on next, because he's the man running it. Maybe he'll give you a VIP ticket. Maybe, maybe. Maybe well, we can even do some broadcasting from there. Well, let's, uh, let's welcome him to the show, shall we? <laughs> it is, of course, the CEO of Bellator. Uh, Scott Coker, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to be on. Listen, first of all, before we talk uh, the London card, congratulations on a great card last night. I'm fascinated uh, by Baby Slice. I really am. Obviously, um, from growing up as a kid, following his dad's YouTube videos, fighting in the back of people's gardens and all that type of stuff. McDonald's car parks. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I kind of obviously followed him into the world of mixed martial arts, uh, Kimbo Slice, who's no longer with us, sadly. Uh, But his, uh, his boy is obviously tearing it up in Bellator. Yeah, I tell you, and he's doing quite well. And, uh, you know, the difference, I mean, the dad was amazing. He was a good friend, and, you know, I miss him all the time. And when I look at Baby Slice, I think about the dad right away. Uh, and the difference is that, you know, Baby Slice has really taken a step back and gone into the MMA, a proper MMA gym and really, uh, you know, learning the ground game and learning the disciplines of MMA. And, and, uh, and he's becoming quite good. So, uh, we're proud of his victory last night, and uh, you know, there's talk about him and maybe Aaron at some point getting it, uh, getting it on uh, down the future. Really nice. I kind of like that man. I kind of like it. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Then I'll hold you to that. By the way, um, <laughs> there was a good victory as well last night for AJ McKee, and they worked mm. together in the body shop. Of course, um, they're just like straight out of Compton. Those guys with Aaron Pico, mm. who is an amazing star as well as I'm sure Scott. Will we'll ascribe to, but you're you're you've been doing a bit of a European tour. I think you're in. Are you are you in a Smokies shop in Amsterdam at the moment, Scott? Uh, well, it's not Smokies; it's, it's a hotel lobby. But uh, yes, I am in Amsterdam right now. Does that mean we're going to get an event there at some point? Then, well, I tell you, uh, I came here because uh, Fedor is doing his training camp here, right? Ah. And I stopped by to say hello, and then, then I uh, since I'm here. Uh, you know, hung out with Gegard Musashi and Lorena for these keyholes, all of our top Dutch fighters, and uh, there's a lot of talent here, let me tell you. Uh, so I made my rounds, and, you know, we talked to Spike uh, Benelux, uh, which is, uh, you know, the home of Bellator here, and, and uh, there's, we're talking about the possibilities of throwing an event here and how it could work and where at, and, but uh, never say never. Because obviously you mentioned Fedor, Fedor Emelianenko, the GOAT, as we call him in, in mixed martial arts, the greatest heavyweight of all time, fighting Frank Mir on uh, April the 28th at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. But you have blessed us, I, I think really blessed us, with Bellator's 200th event in London on May the 25th. Why and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, you know what, Gareth? I tell you what, people, uh, you know, when I look at this fight card, people say, hey, you know, this is the greatest fight card. Why didn't you do it in the United States? And I said, guys, Viacom is, you know, an international company. I have a big headquarters in London, as you know, with Channel 5, Spike UK, MTV, all the great brands that they have. And, uh, you know, we decided to host it there. We said, and, and once we decided to host it there, Gareth, we said, we're going to go big. And I, I'm excited about MVP coming back against Rickles, who is Probably one of the most decorated, you know, fighters in in, uh, in Bellator's history. He's had, I think, you know, twenty fights. Uh, he started with the company before I was even there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, to have Mirko Krokop and Roy Nelson lock horns again. Uh, and then we're at we had a Gegard. Well, we start with Gegard Musashi fighting Cavalier our champ. I mean, this is going to be probably mm-hmm. the greatest fight card we put together 
uh, in the history of this company since I've been here. Well, well, you look at the you look at the main card as you say, Rafael Carvalho against Gegard Mousasi. That is a top level middleweight title fight. Mirko Krokop and Roy Nelson. I know they're they're kind of you know getting into their latter years now, but both kind of big crowd draws, legends in the sport. As you say, Michael Venom Page against David Rickles. I think the fans want to know why it wasn't against. Um, Paul Daly, but do you think Paul Daly and MVP will fight at some point? Because they clearly hate each other, Scott. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, that fight, I believe, will happen. It's going to be a matter of timing, but um, Gareth, if I was a betting man, I would say that fight will happen, you know, sometime uh, maybe before the end of the year. Um, we've also got a TV rea- reality TV star in Aaron Chalmers fighting Ash Griffiths, which will be, it's kind of like I, I call it almost like white-collar MMA, but, but Aaron is much better than that in reality. But one of the big things, you know I burden you with this question every time I see you. When are we going to get a certified TV deal so that our MMA fans and you get to grow the sport here by a million people watching live on Channel 5? Well, I, I tell you, um, you know, I'm coming over there on Sunday and we're having the next rounds of conversations with... Uh, with uh, Channel Five and Spike UK, and it's great to hear. We're going to determine exactly where it's going to, you know, be broadcast. But we're working on that uh, because uh, we think that listen, sports should be live. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's uh, it's always been an hour tape delayed or two hours or the next day. And I think that uh, we're doing our best to try to turn that around. Well, well, is, is there is there an argument to to get that done more because the UFC have got an event in Liverpool two days later that's gathering a bit of steam with their guy Darren Till as well, who's kind of a big deal over here at the moment. You know, honestly, I, I that, that doesn't even enter the mind when making business decisions, Gareth. Honestly, it's uh, you know we have our own business to run; they have their business to run. And we both happen to be in MMA space, but really decisions that we make are decisions we make within our company to for the for the betterment of Bellator and our TV partners, and then that's it. Uh, Scott, last time um, I um, paid full attention um, cage side at a Bellator event was uh, when a certain Mr. McGregor rocked up and uh, did uh, did wonders <laughs> for the uh, Bellator brand. He's, he's obviously doing uh, wonders at this moment in time for maybe his own brand. But have you been on the phone, my friend? You know what I mean. Just in case, just in case it isn't to materialise it in the UFC, I'm sure he'll do uh, he'll do some great numbers for the Bellator brand, wouldn't he? Well, listen, Conor, Conor McGregor is, you know, uh, a great brand, like you said, and he is, you know, he does, whenever he moves, people are watching <laughs> and people are listening. And, uh, you know, it's like, look, uh, what happened was unfortunate. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that situation was hopefully isolated and everybody can move on because, uh, you know, Conor, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's been such a great ambassador for the sport in so many ways and he does so many great things for MMA. Uh, I just say, hey, you know, this car. Let's look. Let's, let's look at that incident as a uh, an incident that happened, and hopefully, everybody can move on now. Top man, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy Amsterdam. We're looking forward to you, obviously, sorting out the uh, TV deal here in the UK for the UK fight fans, and we will see you at uh, Wembley Arena uh, for Bellator 200. It's going to be an unbelievable card. So, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Scott. Top man, Scott Cooker, the uh, CEO of uh, Bellator, a man that you've known uh, for quite some time. Mixed martial arts is growing massively, but Going back to what you were saying to him, TV deals are important. Obviously, that the UFC really, is smashing it at this moment in time. It's important that Bellator keep up to date. That's very significant news there that he's coming here Sunday or next Sunday, whenever it is, um, to have talks with Paramount, um, Channel 5, Spike UK. Because, um, you know, 
it's a big deal in America. They get big numbers over there already. And, you know, when you've got a, a, a network that is aligned to, to the people that Viacom own Bellator and, outright. And as you rightfully pointed out, they've got a guy on there from Geordie Shore. A reality he's TV got a million, audience. He's got a million Twitter followers. He's got, he's got a, ridiculous a million Instagram amount. followers. Yeah. People want to see him get knocked out. He's fighting a guy called Ash Griffiths. Who um, that People think that, that he's a really nice kid. I was in here with Aaron Chalmers. He's on actually H&J. good. He's he, actually he, he can he fight, actually. I've seen no, him. He's oh, getting better. But not yeah. only that, he's a very tough guy. He used to work on the rigs as a scaffolder. Yeah, he's a good he's lad. A, he's, he, he's a really good lad. And But, you know, people love to hate people on those reality TV series. Of course. And he's great fun. He plays the heel very well. In fact, he's probably the nicest one you've ever seen on the show. And you know what? Like you say, like you both say, he's a half decent fighter. Mm. He came in here the other day with Michael Venom Page. He said he'd gone down a weight division, realizing that Michael Venom Page was coming into the studio with him at the same time. So he decided to opt on a different division. Because I don't think he. You, you don't know Michael Venom Page, do you? No, I don't. I'm, he, I'm he, not he's from a freestyle, kick, um, freestyle kickboxing karate background. Mm. He's got about nine siblings. They're all world champions. The parents are world champions. He recently stepped into boxing. He fought on the David Hare yeah. uh, Haymaker card recently. He stepped into he that. He fought a can, but, yeah, it, yeah. You know, but he, he's the kind of person that if he spun in a lift, he'd knock out 10 people. <laughs> No. Anyway, we're going to see him in action on uh, Bellator 200 at Wembley Arena. It should be an absolute cracker. Uh, we're going back to the world of boxing next. Gareth's got a fantastic cultural corner for us, of which Spencer's going to get involved. And then these two are going to go toe-to-toe on this little conversation that they started right at the start of the show. AJ, uh, Fury, Wilder, who comes out on top? We'll get to that next. Uh, now then, you are listening to Fight Night. On TalkSport, your home for boxing. And each week, we go to a cultural corner. We try and bring you things that transcend the sport, maybe from a movie, maybe from uh, the world of music, maybe from a book. Today is slightly different because you are taking us back how many years? 110 years, 110 is it? 110 years, yeah. 110 years. So when Gareth was only five years of age... <laughs> <laughs> Feels like that, yeah. <laughs> Go on, my friend. It's all yours. Give me a little bit of culture. Give me a little bit of uh, learning, because this is the period to learn in this part yeah. of the show. In 1908, the jab is being put into cultural corner today, and it was the jab of Jack Johnson. And the reason why it's cultural is not only because Jack Johnson's jab um, defined a new era in boxing, where his jab became a template for textbooks, um, for textbooks on how to box, how it was the cornerstone of the way of boxing he was also the first black or African-American, as they'd say in America, heavyweight champion of the world, when black fighters were having to fight for their own championship at the time. Mm. So it's cultural historically, it's cultural in boxing terms, and it's cultural in terms of racial development. And, you know, the great thing about Jack Johnson, he'd chased uh, Burns, Tommy Burns, around the world to get this world title fight. It took place in Sydney, Australia, in front of 20,000 people. And it was the police that broke it up in the end because Johnson was destroying Burns in the ring. He became the world champion and his jab was immortalised in history because no one could get near him. He was a big six-foot-one man at the time, the Galveston Giant from Texas. He'd flirted. He wasn't allowed at the time to be with white women. He'd crossed the, 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 the border... Uh, the Texan border and married a white woman he did all the kind of outrageous things that that real characterful fighters did but his jab was defined in 1908 110 years ago and it's been celebrated ever since (laughs) 
Uh, and it's actually uh, a tool that uh, Spencer adopted when you when you were obviously. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fighting, man. <laughs> no, the, the jab no, was the jab was fierce. The, the jab was a beautiful thing. The, the, the jab, I I say, is a is a soul destroyer. It rips the fight uh, the heart out of a fighter. The jab really is that the weapon that sets. The jab wins the fight. The jab sets up for every other shot. I think once you land this, the jab, the jab's in range. Everything flows after that. More modern day fighters that had great jabs. Larry Holmes was amazing with a jab. That was a that was a jab that no heavyweight could get past. And Tommy Hearns as well was absolutely amazing with a jab. It, it really is. Joshua's the jab best developing. Tool. It ish, is ish. Yeah, ish. It's the problem with Joshua. I see the problem you got with Joshua. He only throws the single jab. He look really at, needs at, to double up on it. Listen, why have you bit? Why, why, why have you just bitten at what he's done there? Oh, I'm not. I'm he's, not. No, he's, he's I'm dangled. Not the, he's dangled I'm, the Joshua thing in front of you again. I'm not, so <laughs> Fury's jab can be a bit slack sometimes. What about this fight? But can I just one other thing on Jack Johnson? Can you believe this? This is what's disgraceful about the world at times. And thank God we are progressing. Sixty-seven fights he had to have before he had a world title mm. fight. Um, Jack Johnson. Mm. You know, it's incredible. What, what I like about the jab, by the way, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that will use the jab, and girls, this is, they'll use the jab as a range finder, and okay, that's cool. That's cool. But I kind of like it as a weapon. Well, do you know a the proper be- weapon? Stick Adam, it in someone's face and bust them up with. Adam, you. do you know the beauty of a jab? And a lot of a lot of casual fans may not know this, but there's so many variations of a jab. Mm. A jab, like you said, a jab that you you can just pour away with a jab. You touch you can, them with. You touch them with a jab. Yeah. You can ram the jab. Deontay you can Wilder, screw the jab. For example, Deontay Wilder uses it as a, a range finder. He's touching there, so therefore he can get his right straight right or his right cross straight in straight down the pipe. He's not De- using it as Deontay, a proper weapon. Deontay Wilder throws a right hand like a man would throw in a pub mm. it comes from sort of down on the floor and it loops right over he throws it like he's bowling a but he's got ball. a fast jab though he's got a fast jab and you need to watch him live to see that you know I mean the thing is about the jab um, the, the, the brain does weird things when the jab lands on the opponent's mm. face all the time doesn't it because it does it does keep people at bay it's as simple as that it is an it art does. form isn't it's it a, it's a sickening punch and um, yeah it's probably Probably the most underestimated punch in boxing, if I'm honest, because mm. not many people talk about the jab. It's always the right hand or the big uppercups. But, yeah. but the jab really is the most beautiful beautiful shot in boxing. Klitschko used it as a power shot for a lot of his career as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think that I think that was Klitschko's main tool, was mm. the jab, if I'm honest. Lennox had a great jab. Yeah. You know? All the top boys, they've always got a good jab. Always yeah. got a good jab. Gareth A. Davis had a great jab. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried to jab you in the break and I missed it. I'm, I'm worried about what's going to happen after the show now. But I tell you what, the, a fit Tyson Fury. Right, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Right. We've got about six, seven minutes left. Let's I've do it. Oh, sorry, I've got the bit between my teeth tonight. Look, Spencer Oliver was one of the guys that discovered Anthony Joshua, and I'm calling him out tonight mm. because, listen, I think Anthony Joshua is brilliant for boxing, brilliant for British boxing. Brilliant for the slipstream that everyone's following in, but I think he's still a work in progress. And I think um, um, Tyson Fury... Is that not the attraction, though, with him? Because he is a work in progress. Is that not the attraction? Tyson Fury is the most accomplished heavyweight boxer in the world. Yeah, he was the most accomplished heavyweight boxer in the world. He has now been out for two years. He's Mm -hmm. had loads of problems which have been well documented. And the million-dollar question is, and everyone keeps saying, if... He gets back to his best. Absolutely. And I will say, if he gets back to his best, then he gives anybody a run for their money, Anthony Joshua included. But 
if is a massive word. If I won the lottery, would I need to be sitting here talking with Gareth A. Davis about <laughs> Anthony Joshua? Yes, <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. No, we'd be going out afterwards. <laughs> but Absolutely. Look, you say if, okay. Yeah. What was your instinct when you saw Tyson Fury on Thursday back? You saw the clips. You saw yeah. how he dealt with ITV. When I, they were trying to ask him difficult questions. He said no comments. Yeah. To me, he looked right. It could be cosmetic, but he looked right, mentally no, and physically. I, 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 I totally agree with you. I think he looked right mentally and physically. I think he's got the hunger back. I think he's got that burning desire back, which is important. I spoke to Billy Joe last night. He told me that he, he sort of confirmed what I was what I was thinking when I saw, you know, what he's been like in you know in the last couple of weeks. So I think, listen, we need him. We need Tyson Fury. The heavyweight division needs Tyson Fury. Anthony Joshua needs Does Tyson he the sparkle? Fury. He's got the sparkle back in his eye. <laughs> And that's important. You are, how, you how, are right in what you said, though, right? Because we've discussed this on, on a week-by-week week basis. You're right in what you said. The heavyweight division needs him. Anthony Joshua needs him. I mean, 100%. I have these conversations all the time. I have never said that this is the greatest era of heavyweight mm. boxing ever, right? But in Britain, at this moment in time, we're experiencing a boom, and we should appreciate it. But if we want it to go to the next level... We need those regular matchups, not one-offs. Anthony Joshua he- doesn't need him. He really doesn't. No, 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 heavy, need no, no, him. no, 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 no for legacy, he does. In progress. Not for legacy, he does. I will- tell you what, the heavyweight division yeah, legacy, yeah. needs to, every great heavyweight era, like when you had Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton, Joe Frazier. When you had those those guys, multiple fighters. Multiple fighters. Yeah. So right now we've got it. And then Larry Holmes come along. Larry Holmes never got the recognition because the fighters just weren't there that were there in the era before. For the first time in ages, Klitschko never had it because there was no one really yeah. about. He was just bowling over you know average standard heavyweights but now we for the first time we've got Deontay Wilder we've got Anthony Joshua we've got Tyson Fury we've got you know big names coming Miller's coming through there's some big names yeah, in AJ, there we AJ. need that and I think that AJ needs that to become a legend of I the don't sport. disagree with you at all Spencer but AJ's saying that his his phrasier to the Muhammad Ali if you like is is Dillian White I, yes he doesn't like him I don't agree I think it's three fights with Wilder or three fights even with Parker or three fights with um, with, with Tyson Fury or even two the, but the problem is and I want your assessment of this I want your honest assessment mm-hmm. what did you think of Anthony Joshua against Joseph Parker I thought he lacked ambition I thought that he, he had a game plan and he stuck to it. That's what I thought. I, I, he didn't gamble. He didn't roll the dice at all. I think he looked re- like Klitschko. I, I, I think the referee played a part in ruining the I fight. Agree. And that, was, did, that yeah. was the problem. That, that um, Joseph Parker's only chance of winning that contest was if he got close. And a couple of times that he did do it, because he didn't really do it much, but a couple of times that he did try, as he was throwing punches, the referee was separating the fighters. Now, that's insane. And to me, I think the referee spoiled what could have potentially been a much better yeah, fight. he didn't allow any inside fighting, no. did he, at all? No. I mean, that, but AJ, but, you kept him on the end of his jab. At the end of the day, right? We've watched many fighters down the years. Lennox mm. Lewis, every time he went in the ring, it wasn't a barnstormer every single time. Every time mm. Mike Tyson went in the ring, it wasn't a barnstormer every single time. Sometimes you're going to get a stinker, but you've, he's won. Yeah. He's had 21 fights, this kid. He's knocked out 20 lads. He's unified the division. He's beaten Klitschko and an undefeated champion in Joseph Parker. He's what won an Olympic gold medal. What more do we want? And, and Adam, how... only nine years ago, he first walked into the gym exactly. to put a very close. You still haven't answered the question, which is yes. how does he beat Tyson Fury? I think he beats Tyson Fury by just throwing those shots straight down the middle, landing those big right hands. Tyson and Fury will be away, turning, this, this pushing is, him off. This, this is the if. This is the, the if. Jab, the, yeah. This is the if. So is he though? I think, is he still the same guy two and a half years ago? I think the debate that we're going to have, and this is the beauty <laughs> of a fight, this is why we need a fight of this magnitude, is because you've got two fighters, heavyweights that are going in there. 
And I don't even think they know who would win the fight. I think it's one of those contests that that's why it would be such a such a big contest. I think because no one really knows. No. We can all sit here and say if he lands the right hand or if Fury moves around, but if I won the lottery, <laughs> <laughs> you'd still be here, mate. You'd still be here. Spencer, it's been an absolute pleasure being yeah, in your company yeah, today. It's thank been you, great. Thank, thank you, you so much for being on the show. Uh, Gareth, as always, uh, a pleasure, my friend. And it's a delight that you're going to do two weeks back to back because normally you clear off on holiday and enjoy yourself Can't in America. I'm at Khan next weekend. Amir Khan next it. week. Make sure you come and join us because we've got live exclusive commentary of Amir Khan, Phil Greco. We will have one eye, obviously, on uh, what Frampton's doing against Dunair. We'll keep you up to date with that fight as well. Make sure you stick with us throughout the whole course of the week because every show here on TalkSport will be building up towards the big one. Live and exclusive commentary of Amir Khan on your home of boxing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 